In today's episode of 200 Voices, we're going to hear from Ellie Jackson, big sister to Dom. Dom was uh, my little brother. He was the youngest of six children, so um, he was really the baby of the family. And I think it was safe to say that he was everyone's favourite. He was certainly, I felt a bit jealously that he was my mum's favourite. Probably always the same with older sisters or brothers. But yeah, he was great fun, really just uh, very close in age. We were only 18 months apart. He was the next school year down from me. And he just, I don't know, he looked up to me in lots of things, but we were great little best friends and uh, had lovely kind of adventures, fantastic childhood together. Throughout our lives, we've been involved in outdoor activities, but certainly when he was older as an adult and left home, he was into all the snowboarding, skiing, um, mountain climbing. He did a lot of marathons and endurance races, cycling, um, sailing. He was quite keen on, he did a lot of tool ships racing. He's always kayaked, he has always kayaked, but his own kayak, his own gear, his own responsibility came very recently. His new kit that he just recently bought was a Christmas present to himself. The day he went out, we didn't even know he was gone out. None of the family knew he'd gone out for that weekend. Um, I was in contact with him over Facebook and every now and again he'd say, oh, I'm just off for a kayak trip or I'm just off to climb a Munro or just off here. And I'd always end it. The last message I sent to him was go out and have fun, but don't do anything too risky. That was the very last message I sent to him. So looking back, that really got me to think we knew he was doing risky stuff, but we trusted we trusted him to know how to handle himself. And looking back, we should have we should have perhaps uh, focused more on asking him the questions. What do you do if it goes wrong? Who are you telling that you're going out? So the actual day, the weekend he went out, he told his housemate, see, uh, I'm off for the weekend kayaking. If I'm not back on Sunday, send out the search party. So, of course, the housemate Sunday night came around and uh, five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, it was dark by then. Dom, where are you? And uh, the housemate put out the Facebook message, has anyone seen Dom? Is he hiding around your house or something? And uh, the actual day that that happened, it was Sunday night here, but it was Monday morning for me in Australia. And my husband showed me this Facebook message the housemate had put up and the whole situation changed. The nightmare began, really. And um, instantly I knew it was, it was so out of character for Dom and if he, he should have been home by now. And if he wasn't home, there was a real serious problem. So we then made sure the police, the housemate had rung the police and we rang the police again. And uh, we could track it all because it was our daytime. So the search began on Sunday night and Monday it was quite, it was very cold, kind of two, two degrees, but a strong wind, so it would have felt much colder. And then Tuesday and Wednesday it was this gale force, the, the winds had picked up and the waves were horrendous, really, conditions. That coastline is a jagged, rugged, one of the most difficult coastlines I could imagine any search taking place in. I did feel helpless, but in a strange way, uh, I felt a real key part of it because I was able to run this Facebook group that supported the volunteers and supported the uh, 
the people who were looking for my brother to the fact that whilst everyone was asleep I could then spend hours searching on the internet for different looking at different maps and uh, what equipment that he had so I could then pass on on the information to the police when they woke up in the morning I could say this is what out this is the clothes that he was wearing I've done the research and phoned up the um, the, sh the, sh the manufacturers and found out that this was this is what you need to be looking for basically because we had no idea what clothes he was wearing or anything so again that that factored in with the police and the RNLI and the Coast Guard how intensively they were going to search for him because they didn't know what clothes the, every every time it got to two or three o'clock in the afternoon and you knew the night was drawing in and you thought of him trying to survive another night out in that freezing cold with the clothes that he was wearing and your hopes just crushed it was just the most awful desperation to think come on we must find him we must find him Through this Facebook group I'd had all the support from a lot of local people who got in touch with me and they were all saying they'd never seen a search like it, just the intensity and people coming from far and wide to help looking. We had people driving up from all over the country and complete strangers as well, offering their help. There was um, the whole community kind of rallied round, but there was this one lady who lived in the village that he was found at um, in Leibster and I'd rung her to ask her if there was any local beaches she thought he might be on and as I was talking to her she said oh I can see the helicopter hovering over the harbour and I said oh please go down and please go and see if you can what you can find she said oh I've got a, a lamb about to be born I said this is really can you please go down anyway she very kindly did and she stood on the cliff top and she was able to describe to me what happened when the Coast Guard helicopter was there and then she said and here comes the Wick lifeboat she said, it's coming down, it'll be here in five minutes. And I remember waiting, those five minutes was just awful. And uh, she said, right, they're here. They've picked him up out of the water. She said, there's no ambulance waiting. There's no paramedics. They've just picked him up and headed straight back. I was still holding out hope. Even till then, I thought, they found him in the water and the helicopter couldn't do a rescue. Maybe he's unable, you know, unconscious or something, but... It's amazing how your brain works to convince you that every little chance is a tiny miracle. But uh, yeah, as soon as she said there was no ambulance waiting, they just headed straight back. I knew that he hadn't made it. But my first feeling was actually relief, real relief that we'd found him against all hope of to, to have lost somebody at sea and for you never to find them would just be the most unbearable pain I could imagine. So... Yeah, really utter relief and thanks to those lifeboatmen from Wick to, to getting my brother and uh, bringing him home to us. He had his, his brand new um, iPhone safely tucked away in the waterproof back hatch of his new kayak in a dry bag so it wouldn't get wet. and. He had a bottle of water and a bilge pump, and I'm pretty sure that was all he had. He had his life jacket on, he had warm-ish clothes, he had expensive kayaking, brand new, proper correct outdoor kugel or kag, I think they're called, and waterproof trousers, uh, but he didn't have a wetsuit on. Um, 
um, yeah, his only means for calling for help was in a difficult to access hatch. So had he been able to call for help, I, if he was caught offshore or however, however he ended up, he found himself. Um, he couldn't actually access it. He couldn't reach behind him whilst holding the paddle. Difficult conditions and get the phone out of his, the back hatch. There was just no way. And I've spoken to lots of different kayaking, kind of experienced kayakers, and they all said that you couldn't do it. You're asking me about personal locator beacons. Had Dom had one, would the outcome have been any different? There's, there's two real ways to answer that. I think had he had one, the outcome could have been very different. It's about the weight of a bar of soap. It's really light, clips onto your life jacket, and it's designed for um, salt water, fresh water. You can drop it. You can. It can. It won't smash. It's completely waterproof, salt proof. And in an emergency, you pull out a little antenna, flip open a button, a flap, and press the button there. That will then straight away go to the emergency services up to through a GPS um, through the satellite and also on a VHF powerful signal. It then goes straight to the emergency services and the Coast Guard, the RNLI. The RNLI, I believe, it can get plugged into the boat and the boat can then direct itself to the beacon and it can find you within a couple of metres. Obviously, that takes time. So, had my brother capsized and used this, it possibly could have got to him in time before he sadly drowned. Had he been in his kayak, and drifting out to sea for several hours before he capsized and drowned, then absolutely it could have saved him. It could have, they could have got to him in time. Um, there was enough of a window to, to reach him. It's such a simple thing. and it's, It weighs nothing. It, it costs relatively little. It clips onto your gear and it can give you the peace of mind and your family's the peace of mind, knowing that if the worst comes, your chances of survival are, are drastically improved. If the, P the personal locator beacon, if the PLB hadn't saved him, it would still mean he would have been found. He would have been found on the Saturday, on the day he went missing. There wouldn't have been a five-day search. There wouldn't have been four lifeboats, two helicopters, a fixed-wing airplane and hundreds of volunteers. There wouldn't have been the risk to all the, the people looking for him. So plan B is a charity I've set up since my brother died. And the idea is, is what is your plan B? If you're going out for an adventure, and not just kayaking, all kinds of different sports, land-based and water-based, what is your plan B? If things go wrong, what are you going to do? Plan B really is about helping people to, to put in place things before they go out on adventures. So doing their own research, checking all the tides, the currents and the weather forecasts, planning your route, making sure you've got the skills in place to do the activity you want to do. And plan B isn't about stopping the adventure. It's not to say, wrap yourself in cotton wool and don't do these things, you're going to, you know, you're foolhardy for doing them. The idea is to challenge yourself. That is part of life, is fun and adventure and challenge. And I'm firm believer that that's really important to, to experience life to the fullest. So plan B is definitely not about that. It's just about taking that extra time to make sure that you're ready for whatever you can 
whatever kind of um, emergency you might find yourself in. So plan B is also it's doing your research, it's getting the skills, making sure you've got the right equipment, like a PLB or a phone, clipped to your life jacket if you're out kayaking. Um, the basic skills that you'd need to use map and compass, read the weather forecast, those kind of things. It's also about going with somebody. You know, my brother was on his own. I'm not saying that that may, have, may or may not have made a difference. You may have found if you'd been with someone, you might be actually looking for two, two missing people. But at least then you can bounce ideas off each other. You can say, look, this is getting too risky. Let's head back in. You've got that sounding board. You've got that experience. You've got that advice and support right on hand. And definitely two or three or in a group, you'd be much safer. Um, it's also about the, the next most important thing I feel with, with Dom was he didn't let anyone know he was going on that specific trip. So he said to his friend, I'm going out for the weekend if I'm not back on Sunday. But Saturday is when it happened and we didn't know anything about Saturday's trip. So a quick phone call just to someone close to you, family or a close friend or partner to say, it doesn't have to be long, it doesn't have to be detailed. I'm going out, I'm going to go to this place here. I'm leaving at 10, I expect to be back by four. If I'm not back by five or half past four or whatever you think is reasonable, then please, please ring me. And if no answer from me, then ring the emergency services because certainly at water, if you're doing a water-based activity, time really is off the essence. From my personal point of view, if I can think that my brother's loss is helping for other people to stop and think before their next adventure of things that they should be doing differently or um, protecting themselves and if I can think that Dom has through his death saved other people then that brings huge comfort to me so that's a real um, benefit for me for doing this. My uh, four young children have, have missed out on their uncle Dom and particularly my, my babies never met him and he was fantastic with children. He would have gone on to make a great dad. And for me not to have him in my life with my children is very sad. I think out of death needs to come something, something positive. So for me to do this charity and work with the RNLI is something really positive I can focus on. Hello. It's uh, Ben Ainsley here. You've been listening to part of the RNLI's 200 Voices collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200 voices. Or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Two Hundred Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.